Uh, Genesis chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn there. And uh, what I'd like to do right now is if we could just agree in prayer. We're just going to ask that the Lord would help us, would speak to our hearts. And I just want to say a special prayer for anyone that is, that is ill, maybe our loved ones or someone that we know. Uh, we're going to pray that uh, just corporately that God would help them. And uh, we know that they would wish to be here, but um, they can't for whatever reason. But uh, let's just bow our heads where you're at and let's agree in prayer. Father, we're so grateful. Today, my God, we thank you for your presence, God. We thank you, Father God, for your mercy. And Lord, I, I pray that you would just continue to help us, Father God, that you would uh, have your way for the remainder of this service. Father, as we get into your word, God, speak to our hearts. Bring change. Bring direction. Let the water of your word just help us, Father God, and refresh us and change us and guide us, Father God. And Lord, we lift up uh, anyone that is ill, uh, whether it be ourselves or anyone, uh, our loved ones, Father God. We pray for healing right now. In the name of Jesus, Father God, we thank you, Father God, for you bore our sins, God. Father God, that by your, by, by your stripes we are healed, Father, and we just claim that for our loved ones right now, Father God, and we're so grateful. We're so grateful for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. I want you to declare, church, right now that we say, by your stripes I am healed. Repeat it with me. By your stripes I am healed. Believe for someone next to you. By your stripes he is healed. By your stripes, she is healed. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your healing. Thank you for all that you're going to do today, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. God's going to do great things. Genesis 6, verse 1. Let's read together. The Bible says this. It gives the account of Noah. Then the people began to multiply on the earth. And daughters were born to them. Verse 2. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth for whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. In verse 5, the Lord observed the extent, listen to this, of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Verse 7, and the Lord said, I will wipe out this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah, listen to this in verse 8, but Noah found favor in the Lord. Now let's jump to verse 17. The Bible says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy everything that breathes. Everything on the earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. He was speaking to Noah here. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. In this passage of scripture here, we have a powerful account of what God was going to do here on the earth where he created in the very beginning in Genesis, we understand that everything he created was good. The birds of the air, the, 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 the fish of the sea, the animals that, that went along the earth, and everything he, was, he created, the Bible says, was good. But over the span of time, the hearts of men and women grew wicked, and there began to, to be evil in the world and wickedness. And the Lord, the Bible says, was sorry, so he had to start fresh, and he had to bring a flood 
to destroy everything that he created so that there could be righteousness. And I want to speak a message this morning called Faith in the Flood. Faith in the Flood. Now, as we look here in our scripture in Genesis chapter 6, in verse 5, we wonder and we, we wonder why God would do this. What was his intention in bringing this great flood that would destroy everything except Noah and his family? The Bible says in verse 5, as we read, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw everything that they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. It says, so he was sorry he ever made them. You see, our God that we serve is a holy God. Can you say amen? He is a righteous God. He is a true God. He is a pure God. Our God is a holy God. So he created everything good, everything pure. But how many know in the very beginning there was the serpent and he came and he beguiled Adam and Eve, as the Bible says. But his desire was to cleanse the earth, was to start fresh. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky, I am sorry I ever made them. He says, be holy for I am holy. That's the scripture in Leviticus, uh, back in Leviticus 11.45. Therefore, you must be holy because I am holy. Now, here we are in 2022. What does this have to do with this? this, this type of scripture? As we look back in Noah, as we look back in the Old Testament, as we talk about the flood, what does it have to do with you and I today? Because God had to wipe everything out that he created, and the Bible says it broke his heart. Why talk about this? Because believer, you and I, until the day that we go to, uh, to be with the Lord, we're going to have to wrestle with sin. We're going to have to fight against sin each and every day. You and I have impulses and urges that would cause us and want us to sin. God calls us to righteousness, to serve him in purity and righteousness through the blood of Jesus. But you and I will always have to battle against sin. In Genesis 8, as we look there in verse 21, it says, even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood. You think about our sin nature, right? Now, God has sanctified us. God has cleansed us. He's forgiven us. But each and every day, church, you and I, we have to battle. We have to get up in the morning and we have to dedicate our lives once again and say, God, I'm gonna, with your strength, I'm going to serve you, God. I'm going to strive for purity. And none of us, church, will ever be perfect. It's only through the blood of Jesus that you and I can come into his holy presence. Thank you, Jesus. But you and I, church, we must always fight. We have to have that attitude of a fighter against sin. He says everything they think and imagine is bent towards evil. And we think of such a tragedy that took place when we think of Noah and the ark and the flood. And the Bible gives us a revelation about God's character. As we read, verse 6, So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. It broke his heart. See, some people could try to be critical of, of our Father, of God, and, and say that, oh, God doesn't have a heart. He didn't care. He just, he just wiped everybody out, and there was nothing wrong with it. But, but the Bible says that it broke his heart. It broke his heart to do this. See, church, when you and I strive after sin and we, we, we live in sin and we pursue sin and, and we go out and we just, we just try to live a sinful life, it breaks his heart. It breaks God's heart because he died. He sent Jesus to die for us so that we, we wouldn't be bound to those things anymore. It breaks his heart when we sin. See, thank you, Jesus, that he came to die for us to be that perfect sacrifice so that you and I today can be here this morning 
We enjoyed the presence of God, didn't we? Thank you, Jesus. Man, we come into the presence of God, and we know we're not perfect, but by God's grace, we come in. Why? Because we're washed by the blood of Jesus, and this is a good news of the gospel for anyone that's here, anyone that's wrestling with anything in their life. The good news is, is that Jesus came to die so that you and I can be set free, so that we could be washed, so that you don't have to carry shame, you don't have to carry regrets, so that your sin can be washed away. This is a good news. See, sin breaks God's heart. The judgment that God has to bring on sin, it breaks his heart. See, when we think about the flood, and, and, and it's, it's, we see it uh, as we just had some good rain yesterday, right? And it came out of nowhere. We don't get that much rain that often, but you see it. And you wake up this morning, and we see how clean things are this morning, right? Everything is fresh. And when you think about water, what is, what is a powerful thing, an aspect about water? Well, water cleanses, obviously. Now, when we think of, of baptism in Acts twenty two sixteen, this is symbolic here. It says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. When we think about baptism, what is the medium that is used? It's water. Why? Because it's symbolic of your sins being washed away so that you could get up, rise up, be risen again in Christ Jesus as a new person. See, water cleanses. Have you ever noticed that water will find a way? You have a small leak in your house, perhaps, right? When, when it's not raining, when nothing's going on, it's not manifested or obvious. But when the rain comes, water finds a way. How does it manifest itself? Is it in a little drip, a little trickle? Why? Because water will find a way. When things are so obviously sealed up, when rain comes, when water comes, it'll find a way to permeate. It'll find a way to get through. This is the power of water. Ephesians 5.24, the Bible says now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. And everything, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Now that's the power of the word of God. See, just as water will find a way, to expose things that maybe aren't sealed up in the way that they should be. That's the way the Word of God is. God's Word will convict us. It'll reveal things to you and I. It'll reveal your motives, the intents of your heart. The Word of God will convict us. So we have to be in the Word of God each and every day, church, so it could bring those things to revelation so that we can change. God wants to change us, constantly help us, so that we can be better and closer to Him. The other thing about water is water purges. As we look back and we understand the story of Moses and how God used him to, to save the people out of Egypt, right? We understand the story that we learned in Bible school. God used Moses. He went before Pharaoh, and God, through, through plagues that came on Egypt, Pharaoh decided to let the people go. So, so Moses was leading all the Jewish people out of Egypt, out of captivity, and towards the promised land. But Pharaoh had a change of heart. He changed his mind, so he gave chase to Moses and the people of God. Some say it's, it, was, it was over a million Jewish people, God's people, and they were on their way to the promised land. But they came to something that they couldn't cross. They came against the Red Sea, so here they had Pharaoh chasing them behind them, and in front of them there was a barrier. There was something they couldn't cross, and we understand the story where Moses says, stand back, see the salvation of the Lord, and he smote the water, and the water parted, and the people... The Jewish people walked through the water on, on dry ground. And as they 
past the Red Sea. What happens? Pharaoh gave chase, entered the, the water, Pharaoh's people and his soldiers and chariots, and then the water, what happened? It closed up on them and it purged them. What was God's word? You will never see them again. You will never have to see them again. See, water purges. Exodus 14, 28, then the waters returned and covered all the chariots, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had, who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. See, water cleanses and water purges. Water also sustains life. In Psalms 42, 1, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Now, as we're talking about uh, Noah and we're getting a picture of the flood and we're just, I'm just setting something up here because we're going to see that the faith that Noah had when it came to the flood. See, God used the flood to do all these things that he just talked about to cleanse the earth. Now, in all these things, God had a purpose. He wasn't just reactive. He wasn't just, just, just fed up with people. He had a purpose. God had a purpose in the flood. See, God's always working. See, there are things that we go through. This morning, you may feel that, that you're in a flood. You may feel that, exper that experiences and circumstances and situations have entered your life. and You don't know where they came from or you don't know why they are there. But we have to understand, church, that God is working. Even as God was working in the flood with Noah, God is always working in our lives. Even if in this place you feel that you're, you're in hardship, you're, you're in, in, in such tragedy, or there's some difficult things that you're going through, God is always at work. We have to believe that, church. We have to believe that. God is working in your life. God is changing things up. God is preparing you for what he has for you. It may even seem like a bad situation that you're currently living in. But we have to understand that God's working. See, this should be our prayer each and every morning, each and every day, God, work in my life. God, whatever experience you allow me to go through, whatever situation you allow me to go through today, Lord, let it work in my life. Let it work that, that righteousness in my life. We should always be praying that God would continue to work in our life. See, in the flood, God is sovereign. God was sovereign there for Noah. See, God uses many things in our lives to help rid us of the things that harm us. The pollutions, the sin, the things that, that would want to destroy us. But in all these things, we have to understand that our Father is sovereign, so we can trust in Him. Now, when you think of that word, what does word, the word sovereign mean? The word sovereign means one possessing or how to possess supreme power. One that exercises supreme authority within a limited sphere. See, God is able to exercise his supreme authority within any sphere in our lives. He has supreme power over our lives. We have to understand that. We have to have our faith in that, that God is sovereign. So no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter what situation you're weathering this morning, God is in control. God has a purpose for it. There's a reason that you're going through that this morning. There's a reason why you're experiencing that this morning because God is sovereign. He's working something beautiful in your life and in my life. God is sovereign. He is always sovereign in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians chapter 1. Listen to this scripture in verse 16. For through him God created everything. We're talking about Jesus. In the heavenly realms and on the earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. 
He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Thank you, Jesus. This is a comforting scripture in this day and age, especially, church, in this day and age when you turn on the news and you hear about wars and rumors of wars and all the things that are transpiring and taking place, but we understand that Jesus is before and after. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end, and the Bible says that in him all things are held together. Nothing takes him by surprise, not even the things that we see in this world. When you turn on the news, the things we hear about, nothing takes him by surprise. Everything was created through him and for him. It's all for God's purpose. So we should walk away this morning, church, encouraged, strengthened, that no matter what you're going through, God is working it out. God is sustaining you. God is helping you. Possibly God is bringing in cleansing in your life because of a hardship or a situation. Perhaps you feel you're in a time of waiting or in a, a time of patience and, and you don't know when it's going to end, but God is working something out. Brother and sister, I encourage you, continue to be patient. Continue to hold on. Continue to stand fast because God is working out something beautiful in your life and in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Now the Bible says, here's the promise right here, church. Romans 8, 28, we've heard this scripture, but in case you haven't, I'm gonna read it for you. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Everything works out together. Everything works out together for the good. Everything works out together, together for the good. No matter what you're going through this morning, stay in Christ because then it all works out for the good. God hasn't called us to quit. He hasn't called us to throw in the towel. Perhaps you feel that you were unfairly treated or perhaps something transpired there at work and you feel that you were stabbed in the back, whatever it may be, stand fast, stand in Christ because all things work out for the good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is always in control and he was in control during the flood as we see in our scripture. Because of Noah's righteousness, because of Noah's righteousness, God gave him clear instruction on what he needed to do. See, God gives us his word. Maybe you're in a flood this morning. See, God didn't just tell Noah, hey, I'm bringing a flood on the earth, and good luck. He didn't do that, right? He gave him clear instruction. He told him to build an ark. He told him the dimensions, right? He got very specific as we look in the scripture. In our text in Genesis 6, as we look in verse 13, and God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them out along with the earth. And as we jump to, as we look at verse 14, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar. So here we see the connection. Here we see the grace of God coming over Noah's life, right? Because he got the, he got the bad news. Basically, some bad news came that God, God's going to destroy the earth. So here is how God's grace was manifested to Noah. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Do we see how specific God was getting? Verse 15, make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And he goes on and on. And look in verse 22. As we jump to verse 22, what is key in this story? What is key in Noah's story having a happy ending, in Noah's story and having a, an ending that, that, that brought glory to God and, and can, can be such an example to you and I? In verse 22, so Noah did everything exactly as God had, had commanded him. 
That is the key right there, church. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Now imagine if Noah cut corners. Imagine if Noah said, you know what, God, I, I hear what you're saying, but I know better. I'm going to do it my way. I know, Lord, you're, you're saying to build it like this or do this, but, but I think we need to do it like this. Did Noah say that? No, the Bible said that he did exactly everything that the Lord had commanded him. See, this is where God's sovereignty comes in. And it's activated as you and I are obedient. See, maybe we're in a flood this morning. Maybe you're going through something this morning. What is your instruction? What is my instruction? It's found right here. See, the other instructions that we could follow that, that aren't in here are our are emotions, right? So we got the Word of God, but then we have our emotions. Uh, what else do we got? We got our opinions, right? All these things were, were affected by maybe life experiences or things that we went through, but, but you have God's Word right here, the truth. And we still believe that the Word of God is 100% true, tried and true, perfect, unchanging. No matter what society says or what society deems as legal or illegal or important or not important, God's Word is true, 110%, always. So God gives us clear instruction for our lives. But again, we got our opinions, we got our emotions. And sometimes we, we put God's word on the shelf and we would say that, well, because of the way I'm feeling, I'm going to do it this way. Or because of my opinion, I'm going to do it this way. Now, what if Noah had that attitude? He would have been lost, but not only him. His family would have been lost. All of creation, there was so much hinged on his obedience. And believer, brother and sister, never think that our decisions and our obedience or disobedience just affects us. It impacts the world around us. God wants to save your family. He wants to save your loved ones. He wants to heal your loved ones. He wants to heal you, but we have to be obedient. God gives us clear instructions, and as Noah did, he obeyed. He followed everything to the T of what God commanded him. See, so we have to be obedient, church. Noah needed to walk in faith. I'm sure when God was giving him this instruction, he may have been a man of opinion or emotion. He may have had his own thoughts. Perhaps he had a background where he knew a little bit about construction. I don't know. But God gave him clear instructions, and he did everything exactly as God had commanded him. See, as Noah walked in faith, you and I have to walk in faith when we get God's instruction. It comes in many ways. It comes course, through the Word of God as we're reading, as we're seeking God on our own time, in our own personal time of devotion, of prayer and reading. It comes through godly examples. It comes over the, the, the pulpit. It comes in many different ways. It comes through a, an urge of the Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God, to, to urge you to do this or to do that in obedience to God. So we have to walk in faith. Noah had to trust and as we read in Romans 8:28, Noah had to trust that everything was going to work out for God's glory. All he had to do was be obedient. Now, when we think about the news that Noah received when this was all transpiring, I'm sure there was a time of 
possibly of fear, of emotion, of, of the unknown. See, when we read these stories uh, in the Word of God, right, it, it's in black and white, and we read it. We read how God's people were successful. We, we read how God moved mightily. But think about the people as the story was being written, as the process of the story was being written. It's like the story of, of, of heroism or, or, or people in history doing something so powerful that made such a difference in, in history or in society or whatever it may be. And see, a lot of these things as we read in history, the stories in that instance is pretty much done. So they are now a hero. But when they were doing that thing, they, they didn't know the outcome. They didn't know what was going to happen. They had to react. They had to, to make a courageous decision. And that's how it is with you and I, church. I mean, ultimately, we know Romans 8, 28, that God's going to move, that God's going to be glorified, but God is calling us to step out in faith. He's, he's calling us to, to walk in faith. We may not know the outcome or how it's going to turn out, but we do know that if we're obedient, that God is going to be glorified, that God is going to be able to accomplish his will and do what he wants us to do. But aside from that, it's all faith. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to be the outcome, but I know what God's asking me to do. And see, that's the control that we have. We don't have the control always for the outcome, how things are going to transpire. We, we don't have control of how your loved one is going to react to you making a stand for righteousness, or, or we don't understand how, how the situation is going to turn out based on you taking a step of integrity and righteousness, but we understand that God is going to be glorified. We understand that you're going to maintain your character and integrity. We understand that. And aside from that, we just give it all to Jesus. We trust in him. And church, this applies, man, within the four walls of our homes. It applies to our relationships. It applies to you at work, to, to your career, whatever endeavor you're seeking after. See, this world will always, you know, they'll present opportunities to, to take shortcuts and to, you know, to, to be dishonest and to lie and to cheat and to steal, to get, to get your way and to get where you want to go. It's not the path that God has for his people. We have to walk according to his word. So there was mystery. There was some unknowns that was taking place in Noah's life, but he had to be obedient. As the rain started to fall, he must have heard the cries of those that were outside the ark. It was a glorious time. It was an awesome time. It was a terrifying time. But no matter what, he had to stand in faith and he had to obey God's word. And it affected the outcome of his life and his family's life and all generations to come. He had to trust God. Believer, perhaps you're in this place and you're in a flood just as Noah was. Perhaps you, you recently lost your job and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how... You're going to make ends meet. Perhaps, perhaps you recently lost a loved one. Perhaps there was an opportunity that seems like it, it would never show its face again and you lost an opportunity. Perhaps a flood has entered your life and you're just holding on for dear life. But the word of God for us, church, is to continue to walk in faith, continue to stand on his word. Continue to do what he's called you to do. Continue to be obedient. Continue to walk in faith and stand in faith because in doing that, just as with Noah, as he was obedient, as he took God's instruction and he applied it to his life, he was saved and his family was saved. 
He was able to see another day. He was able to see God's promise come to, come to pass. He was able to see the rainbow that God brought on the earth to promise that he would never flood the world again. And church, that is God's desire for you and I. You may be in the pit right now. You may be in a situation that you're just praying to get out of. But church, we have to understand that God is working something beautiful in your life. So if you would just stand, if you and I would just be obedient in that time, God will be glorified and accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life. You may be smack dab in a situation in your life that is bringing cleansing, that is a flood. But we have to trust God. In Genesis, in our text, chapter 6, we look in verse 18. God says, but I will confirm my covenant with you. I will confirm my covenant with you. God is in covenant with his people through Jesus Christ. You and your wife and your sons and their wives. God is in covenant. That's God's desire to be in a covenant relationship with you and I. But we're going to have to stand in Christ. We're going to have to live in Christ. We're going to have to be in Christ. As the worship team makes her way up, you know, we just had some good rain, as I said here yesterday. And I was thinking about rain and what effect it has on the world around us, on the city. And I was looking at an article on this uh, website, Brazometer, and it said this about the benefits of a rainy day. It said, rain might ruin a picnic, but when it comes to air pollution, it can actually be a really good thing. This is because on rainy days, most of common air pollutants and pollen in the air are washed away, helping to increase the quality of air. The phenomenon is called wet deposition, to be more scientific, wet deposition refers to the natural process by which material is re removed by atmospheric hydrometers and delivered to the Earth's surface. And I wanted to just share this picture that, that we found, and it's, it's downtown LA. After a nice, fresh rain, right? Most of the time, if you're looking there, you probably can't see the city because of the pollution, right? It's hazy. There's pollutants in the air, there's smog in the air, but after a rain, after the washing of water, it's so crisp, right? It's so beautiful. You're able to see miles and miles and miles because the water has come and it's washed the pollutants away. And I submit to you this morning, church, that perhaps you're in a flood, you're in some weather that is just feels like it's it's torrential in your life and it's just beating upon you and and you've been praying for god take this away from me get me out of here stop god whatever you're doing just stop because i can't take it anymore see god's in the business of allowing the process to work out in our lives emotion would have us to just jump out of that situation right now because we can't we feel that we can't take it it's uncomfortable it's difficult. It doesn't feel good. But just as it is with our children, our young children, we're, we care about the way that they turn out, right? We care about the process. We, 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 we get on their case. We don't let them do this or do that. We don't let them go here or go there or watch this or that or listen to this and that. Why? Because we care as parents about the process and how they turn out. We don't want them to, 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 to go somewhere to end up at a destination that is going to destroy their lives. And a million times over with our Heavenly Father, God, who loves us a million times more than we could ever love. 
our own flesh and blood. And that's hard to imagine, but it's a case. God loves us so much. See, he cares about where you're going to end up. He cares about how you're going to be at the end of that situation. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Perhaps you're in a place of waiting. You've been praying, God, get me out of this thing, man. Get me out. I can't take it anymore. But God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. Trust in me. I'll give you the strength. Believe me, at the end of the situation, if you'll stand fast, if you'll trust in me, if you'll be obedient, you're going to see the promise. And it's going to be beautiful, more beautiful than you could ever imagine. But you have to stand fast. See, emotion would have us throw in the towel, would just, just run for the hills. But God would say, will you stand? Will you take my word? Will you apply it in your life? Will you be obedient just as Noah did? And if you do, as Noah saw, he saw the salvation of his own life, salvation of his family, the salvation of all creation, all within that ark. Why? Because he was obedient. Thank you, Jesus. Church, with every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, this morning, rather, the Bible says this, as we prepare for our altar call and as we're praying, the Bible says in Psalms 56, 8, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. What that tells me, church, is that no tear goes unwasted in God's kingdom. No struggle, no trial, no hardship. No act of faith and obedience goes to waste, goes to waste in God's kingdom. But we have to stand fast and we have to obey. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning as we pray.